Find a moment of calm at Classical WETA 90.9 FM. Available to stream now at classicalweta.org or on the Classical WETA app. We have to vote for Joe Biden in numbers that cannot be ignored. Because right now, folks who know they cannot win fair and square at the ballot box are doing everything they can to stop us from voting. They're closing down polling places in minority neighborhoods. They're purging voter rolls. They're sending people out to intimidate voters, and they're lying about the security of our ballots. Welcome to How We Win. All over the country, people are doing extraordinary things. We're giving you the tools that you need to make a difference right now. The best antidote to anxiety is action. There are 76 days until the most important election of our lives. Today, on the centennial anniversary of the 19th Amendment, we are joined by four powerful and inspiring women. First off is Crooked Media's political director, my friend Shaniqua McClendon. We'll talk about the week, the DNC convention, and her amazing work with Vote Save America. Then we have a great interview with Nse Ufat of the New Georgia Project and Grace Lee and Marjan Safinia, the co-directors of the amazing PBS docuseries, And She Could Be Next. It's an inside look at the history-making women of color who ran and organized in the 2018 elections. I'm Steve Pearson, and this is How We Win. We've got to vote early, in person if we can. We've got to request our mail-in ballots right now, tonight, and send them back immediately. And follow up to make sure they're received. And then make sure our friends and families do the same. Shaniqua, thank you so much for, for sitting in with us today. Absolutely. And thank you for having me, Steve. I feel very honored to be here today. <laughs> come on. Come on now. <laughs> the honor is all, all ours. And uh, man, so what's been going on with you this week? What's caught your eye? Did you watch the convention last night? Last couple I did. Nights? I did. Um, and I have to say, not to bring the mood down, I was really sad that I didn't get to go this year. I had been looking mm. forward to it um, for some time. Uh, with that aside, I thought it was, I, I thought they did a really good job, um, especially given the time they had, you know, they pushed back the convention, what, like a, two weeks or so from its original date, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even more than that, under the impression that we would be in a better place with uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Womp, womp. I know. <laughs> and uh, we are not. We are actually in a much worse place. Um, so with a short amount of time, you know, an event that takes so long to plan uh they were able to pull off a really great event and honestly i think because it was virtual we got to see from a lot more i hate saying normal people but you know like (laughs) people who aren't non-political yeah yeah you know people but you know all of us are affected by the policies that the people we elect make and so it was just nice to hear and see people who you know go through their lives every day not breathing and living politics. I was excited about the convention too. We were going to go out and and do an event. And um, we do have an event that we're doing with Crooked Media, um, a letter writing event with Billy Eichner, where we 
hand over the presidential fund check. We raised over a million dollars with you guys for whoever would be the nominee. So, you know, I mean, it's not there in Milwaukee in person. That would have been super cool. But at least we get to do this fun event together. Right. No, I'm really excited about it. The guys are too. And I mean, just generally, we're always excited to partner with y'all. And anytime we can work with y'all, it's it's always a good time. Yay. And we're at the DNC, but this event is focused on the Senate. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the Senate. Gosh, that's <laughs> important. <laughs> <laughs> I know so many people. Well, rightfully so. Everyone is focused on the White House because Donald Trump is is Donald Trump. And, you know, we feel him very ever present uh, in, in our actions every day. But something that I always say is the Senate, we, we can't forget about that because it honestly does not matter who's in the White House if Mitch McConnell is still a majority leader in the Senate. Um, we saw what he did when Obama was president. So yeah. we have to do what we can to, to flip the Senate. And personally, I am from North Carolina. I work for Kay Hagan. I am ready to see Tom Tillis go home. Yeah, I'm very interested. And we, we were on a, a panel last week together, as happenstance would have it. And um, I totally forgot that you're from North Carolina. When I said <laughs> I was interested in North Carolina, I was not just pandering, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm really interested. I didn't mind. <laughs> right. Um, North Carolina is a crucial Senate seat. We have to pick that one up. And it's also, we we're, we're really have a good shot at taking those local legislatures we need to mm-hmm. um, to take the majority there as well. Plus, it's an important presidential state. So, um, yeah. And a governor's race. You get a lot if you flip North Carolina. Yes. Yeah. So um, I guess I should, I should have led by asking you how you're doing during all this just personally, too. Oh, thank you for asking. Um, I also didn't ask you that, so don't beat yourself <laughs> up. Um, I, I'm doing well. Um, you know, as well as can be. I, I think that uh, definitely the first couple of weeks being at home and, you know, not just being at home, but being at home in the middle of a pandemic, not really having a, a firm sense of what would happen was really unsettling and kind of a lot to deal with for me. I live by myself. So that was also a very big change going mm-hmm. from going into the office every day, seeing friends after work and you know, my apartment was just where I came for my alone time to kind of get away from things. But now it's where I am all the time by myself. Uh, so that was definitely an adjustment. But as time go- went on, I started to get used to it. And then um, the string of murders that happened, um, or that we, I guess I should say, some we found out about uh, at the end of May and, and, and in June, really just kind of got me back into a place of being unsettled and just, you know, you know, what is happening in, in our country right now. So it's been a lot of up and ups and downs. Um, and then the stress of the election isn't making it easier. But I say all that to say right now, I feel like I'm in a good place. And um, I've just committed myself to putting all of my energy into the election. Uh, and this is probably not healthy, but I will get all my rest and recharging uh, on November 4th. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think How that's right. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm good. You know, it's interesting when this all started happening, whenever we would have a guest on, we would lead with like, so how are you doing right now? And mm-hmm. um, 
you know, kind of got away from that as we're settling into this normal. But um, I think it's important to acknowledge the mental toll that this is taking on people and and take some time to do that. I mean, right now, our kids, if you have kids, they're starting to go back to school and it's mostly remote learning despite Trump wanting everyone to go back to school in person. And it's weighing heavily on people who don't have child care options and need mm-hmm. to get out and go to work. And it's, you know, so uh, we're doing okay. My my daughter is starting her senior year and she'll be, wow. uh, she's looking at colleges and doing all that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I haven't gotten out much either. I did run into you at a yeah. Black Lives Matter rally mm-hmm. in LA, which was cool. I, I, uh, I had grown out my COVID beard and lo- looked <laughs> yeah. like a sufficient psychopath. I'm surprised <laughs> anybody talked to me. <laughs> <laughs> I look at those pictures now like, God, that was actually a serious beard. What was I thinking? But You look like a different person. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. But to talk about the, the focus that we both have now, and, you know, we always say action's the best anecdote to anxiety. So we're focused on the election. Tell me about what Crooked Media is doing and about Vote Save America. Yeah, yeah. Um, So Vote Save America is what we like to call our one-stop shop to get everything you need to get informed and to to actually get out and vote. It kind of has uh, two parts, if you will. The tagline for Vote Save America is Be a Voter, Save America. And under the Be a Voter um, bucket, that is where we provide general information about what people need to vote. You know, there are so many you know, I definitely wouldn't say that for now. I think people are getting hyper-focused on the process of voting now. But when we started Vote Save America, a lot of campaigns were out there that just told people, hey, you should register or you should vote. And they didn't walk people through all of the steps in between, which was why we see a lot of people who don't vote is part of the reason that they don't vote. Um, And some of the other reasons that people don't vote is they're afraid they might make the wrong decision because they don't have enough information about who and what's on their ballot. So Vote Save America has all of that information, key dates, how to vote. And also, uh, as we get closer to the election, we'll start rolling out sample ballots where you can type in your address and see exactly who's on your ballot and what state ballot initiatives so that you can, you know, have all the information you need to vote. And so that is for anyone under the sun. You don't even have to know what Crooked Media is to, to benefit from that site. And, you know, we've added uh, this year kind of an action component to that, which is our Every Last Vote campaign. And mm-hmm. that is just an effort to for people, you know, once they get themselves situated with voting, they can then participate in the different actions we have there. So it's all centered around making sure every last vote is counted in November. Uh, people can donate to grassroots organizations that are on the ground in six battleground states who are mobilizing communities of color. Uh, You can sign up to be a poll worker. You can request your own uh, absentee ballot, just a lot of different options. Um, You can also volunteer uh, for voter protection efforts. So some people might not call all of that nonpartisan, but we like to think of it as it's work that will help anyone, regardless of their ideology. And then we have the Save America. Well, it's nonpartisan technically, but of course, like the greatest (laughs) need for poll workers and, you know, voter protection is in, you know, democratic leaning communities of color where the the suppression is really set in. So it it ends up favoring Democrats, even though the the work is nonpartisan. 
Right. And that is because partisan decisions led to specific people, you know, being disenfranchised. Um, but then we have our Save America bucket, if you will. And that is, it's partisan, you know, crooked media. We don't hide what we think and what we believe. <laughs> really? I haven't, I haven't tuned in in a, in a minute. Are they still, uh, still not fans of the We're GOP? We're still not fans of the <laughs> Republican Party. Um, I mean, but you also will get, you know, a little dose of criticism for Democrats when they, when they need it. Um, but mm. in, in that side of things, um, that is where we give people the tools and information to get Democrats elected. And the big program that we have running through that side is our adopt a state program. And it's so weird, I guess is the best term for it. But <laughs> we came up with this idea last year. Uh, and it was to have a remote volunteer program that people from anywhere could participate in. But toward the end of the program, pretty much like October, we were going to ask people to actually travel to the states that they had, had right. adopted yeah. uh, to help get out the vote. But then uh, COVID hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, nothing about coronavirus is fortunate, but our program, fortunately, was pretty much uh, modeled to be a remote volunteer program, mainly so we could plug in our listeners um, and audience members who are in pretty blue places into, into these uh, purple states. And so now we have this program, it's a remote volunteer program. And every week uh, after you sign up to adopt a state, um, and those states are Arizona, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Florida, and Wisconsin. Once you sign up to adopt one or as many states as you want, every week we send a very specific targeted call to action for people to take. And those calls to actions are derived from grassroots organizations um, in those states. We really want to make sure we're listening to people who are on the ground, have been in their mm. communities, and help uplift their work. And uh, yeah, so that is how we think we will save America by making sure that we're specifically working to help get the right demographics turned out. And, and eventually, you know, that should lead to the right people being elected. Yeah. I love that. I love that you're plugging in with the the grassroots organizations that are on the ground there because there's too much, like too often campaigns will come and swoop in and say, okay, here's mm -hmm. what you need to do. This is how we're going to do it and all that. And, exactly. um, um, and, you know, to be fair, sometimes they, they fill a gap, you know, that, yeah. that needs filling. So I'm not trying to bash the way the campaigns operate in general, but, um, but when we're other grassroots organizations supporting each other, that's where we can really, you know, take their lead and, and help build exactly. their power. Yeah. Yeah. And stick around too, you know, stick around and support exactly. those groups after the election, you know, and actually build some sustainable power. Yeah. And that's really important. I have been um, thinking a lot about that lately, just, and, and not even just for the groups, but progressives in general, you know, it's no secret that there are a lot of people who didn't support Joe Biden or Kamala Harris in the primary. Mm -hmm. um, I think a fair amount of those people are along for um, along for and excited about the ticket that we have now, but we do have a group of people who are still, you know, not quite uh, sold on, on the ticket we have, but <laughs> right. the, you know, what I often think about is if, if voting is the only way you participate in this process, then you are doing this all wrong. You know, in the primary, people should have really gotten behind their person and did all the work they needed to do to get them to the nomination. And then if you if your folks don't get to the nomination, and even if you did vote for Kamala or Joe, 
after they are elected, you don't just walk away. We now have to hold them accountable for the things that they, you know, promised us on the campaign trail, while also being realistic about the constraints of a two-party system and um, and Congress. And, right. you know, it will matter who's losing control of that. But that's why groups like these are so important, because they are doing that work year-round. Campaigns are cyclical, mm. and they come and go. But these groups are holding people accountable. They're reminding you, this is what that person said. And so um, I think it's really important to make sure that um, there's support for those groups, um, you know, all the time. Agreed. A hundred percent. Really well put. And so often people, like like you said, they get in a primary, they get behind a person. But, you know, we're not trying to get a person elected to office. That's Mm -hmm. not our goal. Our goal is issues. Our goal is the things that are important to us and to our families. So if you're trying to move an issue forward, I'm guessing if you were a supporter of any of the Democratic nominees and there's an issue that one of them was a huge champion for and you're disappointed that they're not the candidate right now, I'm pretty sure that Joe Biden is the better choice than Donald Trump on whatever that issue is. So if that's what's important to you, if it's the issue that you want to see movement on, then uh, it's imperative that you support this ticket so that we can keep pushing them and keep pushing Joe Biden to, you know, listen to what is important to us. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Because Donald Trump is not listening. No, he's not. No, Um, he's not listening. Um, (laughs) so every week, Mariah and I talk about a reason for hope for, for the last week. So, uh, I won't make you go first. I'll start. Um, my reason for hope this week is, um, Pelosi has brought the house back to deal with the post office. Um, Mm -hmm. we just saw that the postmaster general Louis DeJoy said that he's going to, uh, to avoid even the appearance of any impact on election mail. I am suspending these initiatives until after the election is concluded. Okay. We still need to fix the damage he's already done. We still need to fund the post office. We still need to pass the heroes act. But my reason for hope Pelosi brought the house back. Because we took back the House, because we have that power now because of the work we did in the midterm, and all the people who are putting the pressure on um, the work we did with Move On and we continue to do. There's a a rally Saturday with Move On at post offices and stuff. So that that really gives me hope that we can wield our power and make change. And having Pelosi uh, there and having control of the House just – I I shudder – I'm paraphrasing Adam Schiff. But I shudder to think where we would be if we didn't have control of the House right now. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that even ties into what we were just talking about. You know, a bunch of people got involved in the election and they got the House of Representatives to flip, electing um, a lot of Democrats last cycle. But they didn't stop there. We have continued to push on the things we are not okay with. And, you know, this is in no way saying that Nancy Pelosi doesn't care about the post office because I know she does. But (laughs) I do think I I used to work on Capitol Hill coming back early from August recess is like a sin of of (laughs) like a huge magnitude. You know, you work hard all year and it's not a vacation, but the, the boss goes home. You are in D.C. just trying to like prepare for the rest of the year. And to have August recess cut short short is a big deal. And, you know, I'm sure Nancy Pelosi didn't uh, make that decision lightly, 
but I would like to think that the the outrage and the pressure and the organizing um, and mobilizing around this issue helped play a play a part in them coming back early instead of deciding to wait until September to deal with it. Right. And, you know, whatever uh, gets decided or any any bills that get passed through will will now be in Mitch's lap, as you said, and will reinforce why we need to take back the Senate. Exactly. (laughs) What about you? What's your reason for hope this week? Yeah. So we um, over at Crooked, I I don't even know what it was for, but we started kind of gathering um, information on the work we had been doing and for the first time in, I guess, a long time, at least in 2020, I was able to kind of see the stats of what our audience has come together um, to do. And there's so much money being raised. There's so many volunteer shifts being filled. And I think it's the only thing that's kind of keeping me going and giving me hope during this time, because there are such huge forces that are working, you know, and I'm talking about Donald Trump and the Republicans, um, but they are in government. So they have a lot of power um, to execute the bad things that they're trying to do. But there are a lot of forces that are trying to scare a lot of us out of thinking that we have any control over the system. But I think seeing, um, you know, the work, the, the response from our audience with the money they raise and the volunteer shifts um, that they've picked up has really uh, reminded me that when we all come together and step up and make our voices heard, we can, we can start to actually tangibly challenge these really big forces who have accumulated all this power and often tell us, well, you can't do anything about this. Um, I think one thing that will sit with me with, from one of the things that we did recently was um, we're promoting a weekend of action with the Texas Democrats. And mm. it was one of their biggest um, volunteer efforts um, in history. They contacted over 2 million voters. And wow. the thought that, you know, there are efforts to steal this election happening, but people are saying, yes, even in Texas, we're going to try. In big red Texas, we are putting in work there too. Just, it makes me realize that despite all the things happening around us, people are determined to make change. So that's what's keeping me going. And I'm just going to hold on to those things um, until we get to November 4th, which we probably will not have all the election results, but (laughs) By the end of November, hopefully I'll have something new to hold on to. Oh, my God. Please, let's not make it the end of November. I mean, I guess that's possible, but somewhere but if, in between, yeah. please. If we all vote early, we maybe we can find out uh, sooner that's rather right. than later. Listen to Michelle Obama and vote <laughs> and get everyone you know to vote early, early, early yep. um, and safely. That's that's great, Shaniqua. I mean, there is no doubt that you and everyone at Crooked is doing just incredibly impactful work. Everyone has an impact that they can make, but um, your audience is massive and you just know how to get them engaged and get them, you know, fired up and then into action. So you have my overwhelming gratitude for the work that you do. Well, thank you. I mean, the same to you. Um, I, I, I don't know if it was you or Tamara, um, who showed me pictures from like the first swing left meeting you held in what would that have been like 2017 or so? Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I think it's so important specifically in California that the work that you are doing was happening because so often people are just like, Oh, it's California. It's a blue state. We don't have to do anything. But seven 
Republican districts in California were flipped in 2018 um, because of the work that you all do. So, you know, I think I think you can also take a ton of credit in this space. Um, and ultimately, I think all of us had to end up here for us to see the change that we're seeing. Thank you for bringing it back around to me. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I usually try. I usually try to do that myself, but you did it, so <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> um, Mariah and I recorded an amazing interview last week, right before she went on maternity leave, with Ense Ufat and Grace Lee and Marjans Safinia. Um, but the interview was was right before. I think the day before uh, Kamala Harris was announced, who will be the first black Asian American woman vice president. So we certainly would have talked about that in the interview, but she hadn't been announced yet. So um, otherwise, it's a great interview and I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Yeah. Well, I think the it's it's very fitting that the name of that is and she could be next. And then the next day (laughs) we find (laughs) out that Kamala was next. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And real quick, before we go to the interview, we always have a call to action every week because we want people to do something specific every week. So uh, your call to action this week, we've got the DNC convention going on. So definitely watch that. Get inspired. Next week is the Republican National Convention. So instead of watching that, we want you to phone bank. We want you to write letters. Action, not distraction. So get ready to get into action, phone banking, writing letters, and doing all that good stuff next week. Well, Shaniqua, thank you. This is so fun. Yeah, thank you thank so you much for, for, for joining us. And um, and maybe I can cajole you to come back and uh, and join us again. Yeah, I would love that. If it's before the election, I might be more frazzled, but I would enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I should get you yeah, maybe the day before. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Shaniqua. Have a good one. Nse Ufat's life and career have been dedicated to working on various civil, human, and workers' rights issues. As the executive director of the New Georgia Project, she's leading the organization to its goal of strengthening the state's democracy by registering and engaging about one million eligible but unregistered African Americans, Latinos, and Asian Americans. Grace Lee and Marjan Safinia co-directed And She Could Be Next, a documentary series that tells the story of a defiant group of women of color who are transforming politics from the ground up. And She Could Be Next asks whether democracy itself can be preserved and made stronger by those most marginalized. I'm so excited to have these three amazing women on. Thank you for talking to us today. Thanks for having us. us. I'm excited too. The documentary, And She Could Be Next, was so powerful. And it was really exciting to see the campaigns unfolding. It it brought me and us back to the work a lot of us did last cycle to elect this incredible new class of representatives. How did you choose which candidates to follow? And uh, were there any other campaigns that you followed that didn't make it into the film? There's not a list that tells you who's running for office at any given time, especially when you're starting, you know, one, two years back uh, pr- prior to the elections. But we did a we had an extensive research process where we vetted a lot of people in terms of, you know, who might be, you, you know, we wanted a, a really diverse range of people to follow, um, both geographically, ethnic 
diversity um, age-wise and also in terms of the kinds of offices they were running for. So we had like a big spreadsheet just trying to track a bunch of different people. And then, you know, is this the case with making documentary films? You know, we had to sort of talk to, it's casting in a way, you know, talking to them in depth, figuring out, are they going to be comfortable with the camera following them? You know, are they the kinds of folks that we were interested in telling the story about this movement of women of color? And that, that's just the candidates. And then the organizers came later. Although Ense is somebody we were tracking from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about um, who's featured in, in the documentary? Sure. Um, so uh, there's six candidates that we follow. Stacey Abrams, who was running for governor of Georgia in 2018, a historic uh, campaign, would have been the first black woman governor in the nation's history. Mm-hmm. Um, we follow um, some of the congresswomen who became the kind of um, freshman class of uh, you know, this new diverse con- Congress, including Lucy McBath in Georgia, Rashida Tlaib in Michigan, uh, and Veronica Escobar in Texas one of the first two Latinas to ever be elected to represent Texas in Congress, which seems mind-blowing. Right. And then we followed um, California State Senator Maria Elena Durazo mm-hmm. and a fantastic young woman in Skokie, Illinois, called Bushra Amiwala, who ran for Cook County Board of Commissioners at the tender age of 19 and wow. uh, gave the five-term <laughs> incumbent a really good run for his money. So, um, And then a, a host of organizers as well. Right. Grace mentioned wanting very early on to to include Inse in the in the documentary. Um, Inse, how did they approach you about being featured, and was that an easy yes? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I definitely don't think that I was an easy yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it worked out, but <laughs> um, I think part of it is that. You know, I have been trained um, and it is sort of my posture to keep my head down and to build things, to build power, Mm. to sort of disappear in the shadows um, while we prop up um, the candidate, the issue whatever it is that we're working on that we want people to pay attention to. And I like my spreadsheets and my coffee stained shirts. And (laughs) I like having a potty mouth. And I didn't think that that was what, that was a story um, that the country needed to see. (laughs) I was obviously wrong. Uh, (laughs) And and as you can see, I've been organized out of that thinking. Um, But yeah, I was not an easy yes. Well, I'm glad you said yes, uh, because it was really important Mm -hmm. to highlight the work that you're doing and the New Georgia Project has been doing. And I mean, we had last cycle historic volunteer engagement, and um, it was just amazing how you were able to showcase, like we said, not just the candidates, but organizers like NSA. What did you learn as filmmakers from the organizers and the volunteers that you talked to? I mean, the organizers are where it's at for me. Like the org- there's an organizer in all of us. It's one of the key sort of um, ideas of our film and also the impact campaign. But I really feel like, you know, when you see regular people who aren't running for, I mean, I would never run for office. Like that is just not in my wheelhouse, but I could see never. myself, <laughs> I could see myself, you know, I mean, it's what I do in my everyday life. I organize people to, you know, I or- organize my family, you know, to like, do remote learning or whatever. I organize um, my friends to, you know, 
plan some kind of outing. I organize, you know, film shoots. It's, it's just part of the DNA. And when I saw the, um, all of the women that we were filming, you know, in Georgia and elsewhere, just getting out and helping other people organize themselves, get engaged civically, understand that there's a role there. That to me was like, I saw myself, you know, I saw, I saw myself Mm. in the organizers more than I saw myself in the candidates. And that was really important. I love that idea that we that, that we're all organizers deep down inside. I think it's so true and so important. Steve and I did a great, and I mean, when I say we did a great interview, I mean she was a great subject to interview. <laughs> um, Stacy Abrams, and um, we asked her about um, continuing voter registration work during the coronavirus, and she was basically like, "Ask and say." Um, so that's what we're doing now. <laughs> so Inse, can you talk about how the new Georgia project has adapted during the, the pandemic and changed up, but still continues to move forward toward the goal of, of registering all these new voters? Yeah, I was going to say the thing, the sort of DNA, the, the Abram DNA that is a part of the new Georgia project is the idea that we are committed to our goals, and so shifting tactics um, is not new for us. So the goal remains the same, um, but how we get there has certainly changed. Um, as explaining to other people, like we have a list of every uh, music festival, county fair, mm-hmm. giant pumpkin competition <laughs> uh, prize pig beauty contest like <laughs> there, there were people gathering in the state of Georgia rural urban seniors people just turning 18 we had done our homework and planned to be out with the people mm. um, and so our goal is to always be where our folks are and people are working from home in some instances, people are protesting state violence and, uh, you know, racialized oppression. Um, and so we've been out registering voters at protests. Um, we've also been, you know, erecting teams um, of hundreds of volunteers and staff across the state whose focus and goal is to text and to phone call and to send emails and to maintain, build and maintain digital communities. So what that has meant is while we aren't going to dorms Mm -hmm. for check-in, right, because people are moving into dorms for the beginning of fall semester, we are, uh, you know, doing online comedy shows uh, Mm. where, you know, we're finding... um, comedians who you know want to talk about politics, want to talk about COVID, want mm. to talk about race and the moment that we're in. Um, we just helped co-host an online art show um, where there were tons of artists, local artists, many of them women of color, uh, who had sort of politically themed art, helped them sell some pieces and help tell great stories about um, what this moment means and how we're taking care of each other. So what I mean, what I will say is that our voter registration numbers have dropped by about half. We have a goal of registering 100,000 young people and people of color this year. We're Mm -hmm. about 30, a third of the way through. 
about 33% through um, towards our goal. And by this time during a presidential election year, we would be rounding out at like 75% and winding down, shutting down, thinking about what the end of September, beginning of October voter registration cutoff looks like. And that is not where we are um, in this moment. And it has been a stretch opportunity for myself and for our staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the work continues, not at the pace uh, that we expected, uh, but it does continue. Yeah. Well, um, that that's really uh, hopeful, encouraging to hear all those creative ways that you're using to mm-hmm. engage people with comedy shows and art sales and and build community. You know, um, mm-hmm. when we can't be in person. I mean, I, I have to admit, as powerful as the documentary was, it was bittersweet watching all these great events from last cycles with candidates holding rallies and volunteers packed mm-hmm. into campaign offices and going out and knocking on doors. You know, it, it it made me really upset and worried about how we create those great moments and harness the people power that, that we need in November. So I love that you're getting creative about that and finding new ways to build that community online. And you also reminded me that sadly there's all kinds of prize livestock all over the country that's not being recognized right now. <laughs> so, so let's take an, a minute to acknowledge the prize pigs that aren't getting shown off. <laughs> you know, kind of to, to your point, Steve, um, uh, Grayson Marjan, you've mentioned a couple of times that there's an impact campaign around and she could be next. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how people can get involved? Sure. Um, what we hope that the documentary does is sort of encourage people to see that they have power, right? Um, like Grace said, there is an organizer in all of us and that actually, you know, over the two episodes, you see countless examples of regular folk just stepping into their power, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's one of our big themes is to help folks see that our democracy is a participatory sport uh, and, you know, there, as Ense just said, there are, you know, extra challenges this cycle. And so, you know, how can we really all get involved in something that feels so incredibly high stakes? So we want to engage um, voters. We especially want to engage young folk. Um, we also acknowledge that there's like some, you know, weirdness and confusion going on around, am I going back to college campus? Am I not? Am I registered there? Do I register again at home? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some extra challenges that are really serious. So we want to focus in on young folk and, and folks who don't see themselves represented in a system. And I think that's the other core kind of goal of the documentary is to show you know, show us ourselves, our, our whole team, our women of color, everyone you see on the screen is a woman of color. And, you know, we don't get to see ourselves represented in kind of power, you know, on screens in often enough. And one mm-hmm. of the things that we've already seen, you know, since, since uh, the show premiered is, you know, w- what an outpouring of people feeling empowered just by seeing these images of people who look like them, uh, young or old Muslim, you know, like there's one of every kind in our, in our project. And so 
um, yeah, so our impact campaign is fo focused around stepping into your power, understanding there's an organizer in all of us. Um, there's some resources at our website, which is andshecouldbenext.com. One of our big ideas is to try to connect folks to a political home, right? What NSA runs is a political home, and all around the country there are NSAs, well, I'm going to take that back. No, there's, there's no one else <laughs> quite like NSA. But there are people who are similar to NSA in her lane um, all around the country. You know, and I think, um, you know, these processes are confusing and challenging. And it helps to have a political home. It helps to have a crew that you trust, who you can roll with, who you can um, kind of engage with, and also who can help answer the confusing questions about what does this ballot measure actually mean, you know, mm -hmm. and help kind of demystify some of that stuff. So we're, we're building maps and resources to help folks wherever they are find political homes that may look like them and feel like them uh, so that they can plug in kind of to a tribe because we are stronger when we do this work together. Absolutely. And just to kind of give some context about how important the work that you're all doing is, um, is today we're commemorating the centennial of the, the passing of the 19th Amendment, which gave some women the right to vote. But it wouldn't be until the 24th Amendment in 1962 and the Voting Rights Act in 1965 that Black women would be able to have full access to the ballot ish. <laughs> um, so, uh, of course, communities of color are still facing suppression and disenfranchisement, um, tactics that the GOP and the Trump campaign are blatantly engaging in right now. What's the best thing that we can do now to support women of color running for office and organizing around voter registration, ballot measures, things like that, fighting back against voter suppression? Um, write them checks, ask them to run, vote for them. Um, uh, I think like very direct, very explicit support in this moment or tell a white guy to stand down uh, that no one, like, I, I think that there are a number of ways um, in the sort of black church tradition, they say that when there's an ask for support that, you know, can you, can you, can you lift up, can you contribute your time, your talent or your treasure? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, if you have any of those to spare directly investing in black women's leadership and in their campaigns feels like a clear, direct way to make that happen. I also think that, you know, you can't fix what you can't face. So if you can't contribute your time, your talent, or your treasure, at least commit to telling the truth about the conditions that we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. um, at least, you know, commit yourself to telling the truth about the uncredited and uncompensated labor of women of color and particularly Black women and how they hold up all of our institutions and mm -hmm. would be nowhere without them. You can tell the truth about that story. Uh, we will. We encourage everyone to do that and, and speak out. What side of history do you want to be on? That's that's mm -hmm. that's basically it. We always finish off with one question. So we're going to do a little round the table, starting with Grace. Um, what gives you the most hope for our future? I would have to say the movement of organizers, um, because it's it. 
you know, if you watch the if you watch the series and you see just how these organizers are the ones that are carrying the water, who are doing the labor so that we can all have democracy, so we so that these candidates can run and have successful campaigns. The organizers are, you know, the movement is is what gives me hope. I think that you know it's a long game. It's not going to be solved by this election or the previous election. Um, as one of my sheroes and mentors, Grace Lee Boggs says, I mean, it's evolution is not linear. It's going to keep going on and on. And we need to sustain ourselves for that, for that long ride. Yeah, I think uh, I can pull a quote from your documentary from uh, Maria Elena Durazo, who's one of our state senators now, who said, if you stop organizing, you go backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Marjan? Um, well, Gen Z gives me some hope and I'm still sort of really cluing into that. But, um, in this moment, I think what's really giving me hope is there seems to be a cracking open of, you know, long held norms and this kind of real uprising of, um, you know, we, we set our film in the context of this new American majority, right? This rapidly changed demographic in America Mm. where soon people of color across the country will be the majority. And, you know, this has intersected with this kind of, pan, you know, multiple pandemics, you know, COVID, right. it's the racial uprising, the economic stuff, which is just like mind blowing to hear how many billions of dollars Jeff Bezos made since we've all been locked up in our houses. I mean, it's, you know, all of this coming to a head at once. And so I think what gives me hope is that in this moment of sort of everything cracking open, added to this moment of real empowerment happening with people who have been taught and have been forced to have their voices kind of diminished, like really stepping into their power. I think extraordinary things, you know, can happen. And um, if we're all willing to kind of go on, go along with that ride in the sort of spirit of evolution, I think there's some extraordinary voices out there who are so fresh and so full of passion and clarity Mm. um, that we haven't gotten the chance to hear. And if we could, you know, sort of do a, like shift the the knobs a little, turn down the volume on one set of people and turn up the volume Mm. on the other set of people and listen for a minute, I feel like there's nothing but hope and solutions. And so the hope for me in this moment is that sort of the opportunity for us to really shift the paradigm and actually kind of break through into a new normal led by diverse voices. That's very hopeful. And last but certainly not least, and say what gives you the most hope. I am with Marge. I think um, I am definitely encouraged by Gen Z and these young folks. Like just, it's everything. It's just a far superior, like sophisticated political analysis, like an understanding of what's happening in the world, superior trolling. Uh, (laughs) It's just, it's just goodness. I mean, (laughs) there's that. Um, I also think that like how we have taken care of each other in the midst of this pandemic, like really underscores the idea that we are the ones that we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And yep. there's no one that's coming to save us, that we have been taking care of each other and figuring out how to survive for a long time. And I'm happy to see that it has shown up again in the midst of this crisis. So many moments of just 
brilliance, wisdom, and hopefulness in this conversation. And people can get all of that and more in the documentary series. And she could be next. We'll have a link to the page where you can watch the two parts of it and just be inspired and get out and work for the next uh, 70 some odd days and, and, and beyond because the work won't end on election day, of course. Um, thank you all so much for joining us. Is there anything you wanted to add or that we didn't get to cover? It's just, this is the time we got to, we just got to all get in this, right. And whatever, I'm not a video game player. I know Ense is a big gamer. Maybe Ense has a better <laughs> analogy than I do. But like when all that stuff is hurling at you, right, and you are the little character and you have to dodge and dive and know when to jump and, know, you know, <laughs> like that's us right now, right? And and every day there's some new thing. This post office thing is keeping me awake at night at the moment, yeah. you know, like every yeah. day there's some new challenge. And we all need to dig super deep and bring our absolute top game because we're in that kind of last phase. And, and I just hope every, everyone, you know, the answer that people come up with to kind of everything that's coming at them instead of like crawling under the duvet is to <laughs> take their superpower pose, you know, their superhero pose, puff out their chest and just get in the game. I feel like this is the moment that's upon us. And if you can't get in the game, send money to New Georgia Project. <laughs> there you go that's a good yeah. plug right there i love that um, i would also say that we are about to celebrate the centennial of the of the 19th amendment and the uncredited uncompensated labor of black women and women of color suffragists um, who did not actually get to enjoy the victory that they helped make real on August 18th, 1920, that if we are going to experience the sweetness of victory on the other side of this, that we have to remember solidarity um, and how yes. important it is. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. Yes. Absolutely. I want to say one more quote from your film before we sign off, and it was from Stacey Abrams from a speech she gave she said, voter suppression is also about creating an atmosphere of fear so people will be worried that their vote won't count. And uh, you talked about the post office. Um, you know, we're, we're all in this atmosphere of fear that is being created uh, specifically to suppress us. We will not be suppressed. As you said, this is our time and we're going to do this together. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you. Ah! Yes. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you for stepping up to take action. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. We want to hear from you. Tweet to us. I'm at BluesBoySteve, and you can still tweet to Mariah while she's on maternity leave at Mariah underscore Craven, or shoot us an email at podcast at swingleft.org. Thank you so much to our friends at Demcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on Apple or wherever you get your pods. Share us on social media. Use the hashtag HowWeWin2020. Check out our page at swingleft.org slash podcast. And of course, sign up to volunteer. We've got another cool mini pod coming up this Saturday that you don't want to miss. So don't miss that. We really appreciate you being here. And we'll be back with our regular show on Wednesday. See you then.